So we started last week on uh, the section on how to obtain fullness of power, specifically on uh, the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. And we started that. It's a very long section. I don't even think we'll get through it all tonight, but it's okay. And uh, we, we kind of close with this scripture from John uh, 4.14 where Jesus was speaking with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. So we're talking about obtaining fullness of power. Not something extra biblical or unbiblical. We're talking about what God has promised to His children. Okay, New Testament believers, like we are born again, washed in the blood. What has He promised us? The power of the Word we talked about. The power of... Uh, the power of the blood we talked about. The power of the, the Holy Spirit which we're talking about. We're going to look at the power of prayer and we're going to end it with the power of a surrendered life. Okay? So right now we're talking about, uh, again, we, we might be here in our Christianity, but I can promise you, wherever you are in your walk with the Lord, wherever you are, if you just got saved yesterday or you've been saved for 25 years, wherever you are in your walk with the Lord, He's wanting to bring us all from where we are onward. We know that, okay? Moving from glory to glory. We're, we're uh, speaking the truth in love that we may grow up in Christ Jesus. This is a theme through the Bible. And so there's always more, and it's a good thing. It's not frustrating that there's always more. Gosh, I'll just never get there. Uh, it's not frustrating. It's, it's hopeful. It's exciting. Because the same God that saved us freely by His grace will, knows how to get me from here to where He wants me to be. It's His will. It's His plan for my life. For whom God did foreknow, He did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. Uh, so that means he's, it's all in His plan. And it's all the seed, I guess you'd say of that, is Christ in us by the Holy Spirit that's going to grow. He's going to decrease. We're going to increase until Christ becomes all in all. Not in, in my life in one day, We'll read about it in Revelation when, when it's all in Christ. All of creation and governments and powers and all that. So there's always more in Jesus, but don't let that frustrate you. Because you don't have to figure it out. You just have to stay in God, stay in His Word. Let Him get you from where you are and me from where I am in Christ to where He wants me to be. Well, Lord, my prayer life's so pitiful. I'm still scared to death to go witness to people. And I don't witness to people like I should. And we're, you know, he's, he can still get us from where we are to where He wants us to be. We need to walk in obedience. We need to walk in submitted to the Lord. And we need to walk in the Spirit. And that's what we're talking about tonight. But the last Scripture we read last week was Jesus in the middle of the day meeting with the Samaritan woman at the well. He had a purpose in it. He had a plan in it. He didn't just want a sip of water. He was bringing salvation to this community. There was going to end up being a salvation, you know, to these this community where he was going, starting with this woman. But just we're not going to go over all of that. But Jesus said, speaking about Jacob's well that was there, where they were sitting, okay, with real water in it. Uh, he said, "But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst." And, and the woman says, "Well, give me this water." She wanted it. Give me this water that I may not thirst again. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So this is not just any kind of regular water. 
This is, this is the Holy Ghost. The Bible says clearly in John chapter 7, uh, Jesus said, uh, Whosoever th- thirsts, let him come unto me and I'll give him water. But this spake he of the Spirit. Right? So we know he was talking about the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is also uh, given the symbol of fire, like on the day of Pentecost. But in several scriptures, it's water. I think it's in Ezekiel where it talks about uh, flowing the, the river flowing from the throne of God. Right, First it's ankle deep and then thigh deep and then waist deep and then deep enough to swim in. In every place that the water touches, it brings life. That's the Holy Ghost. That's the Spirit of Almighty God. And so that's what He's talking about. And when Jesus says it will, the person that drinks of the Holy Spirit is freely given to men in Christ, okay, is never going to thirst again. What is he saying? He's saying that the Lord satisfies. The Holy Spirit specifically has the power to satisfy our man's life. For all the, the cisterns or the wells of this life in this world that men are seeking after are, leave people empty and dry and thirsty and unfulfilled. And they're wanting more and that didn't satisfy them. And they, they went after this and it didn't satisfy them. And they went after that and it didn't satisfy them. But we meet Christ and come to Him. We're born of His Spirit and filled with His Spirit. He says it's a river of life from within that, that flows back out and it would be a, a water springing up. So it's living water up unto everlasting life. And that satisfies. Christ satisfies. The living water that He gives satisfies. What we're talking about specifically tonight, you can turn your Bibles if you would to Romans chapter 8. We're going to talk specifically tonight about uh, the power of the Holy Spirit in two areas. Okay? Two areas. The power to sanctify. Sanctify or cleanse. Morally cleanse. Okay? And purify and perfect the life of the believer. So there's a sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. And there's also, uh, right at the end, we're going to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit to give assurance to the believers. Assurance to our hearts that we belong to Him. Assurance to our hearts that God's promises are true. The Holy Spirit takes those things and really, the way I, I like it is like knits it into our heart. He takes the truths of God, the, uh, the Word of God, the reality of Jesus Christ and takes it from our minds, even as believers, and sows it into our hearts. And it's just interwoven into our being. Okay? And the Holy Spirit has and the Holy Spirit alone has the power to do that. It's not just the convincing of a good teacher. It's it's the work of the Holy Spirit. Okay? The sanctifying work. And let's look at this and we'll just read one through four. Romans eight, one through four. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So there's a law there. Not the law of Moses. There are many different laws that are mentioned in Scripture. He says that this is, this is the one specifically pertaining to Christians, to New Testament believers. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free and all believers free from the law of sin and death. Again, that second law is not the law of Moses either. 
We are not no longer under the Old Testament covenant. I understand that. But this specifically is the law of sin and of death. It says in Romans 6 that the wages of sin is death. Those two are always intertwined, right? Romans chapter 5 deals with it. 1 Corinthians 15 deals with it. The Bible says sin and death. Sin and death. But the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law, and I do believe that is the law of Moses here, uh, could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, wasn't sinful, but it was unable to, to do what God can do through His Spirit. Uh, weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, that's the incarnation of Christ, and for sin, that's His death on the cross, condemned sin in the flesh. As our flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit was mentioned in all of those scriptures. And it says here that the Holy Spirit, in verse 2, has the power to set men free from the, from the law of sin and death. We say, well, I thought Jesus did that. I thought the blood of Jesus did that. I thought that we're saved by grace through faith. Yes, yes to all of that. This is just how God has chosen to, to write it here. Specifically, remember, uh, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit quickens. The Holy Spirit convicts. The Holy Spirit sanctifies. Well, there's another scripture in John 17 where it says the Word sanctifies. Well, remember that the Word is the, is the sword of the Spirit. It's the instrument that He uses. And so, they're all interrelated. They're intertwined. And we would probably do a disservice if we tried too hard to dissect, say, the Holy Spirit from the Father and from Jesus and the Word from the Holy Spirit and from the blood. Let's just take it like the Bible gives it. Okay? The Lord wanted to say here that it's the Holy Spirit that makes us free from the law of sin and death. So, there is a law. There is a law that the wages of sin is death. There's an Old Testament, it's New Testament. It's, it's uh, sin entered the world by one man, Adam, and death by sin. And death was passed on to all men, for that all have sinned. That's a law. You understand what I'm saying? It's a law. Nobody escapes it. It's that. It's just exactly that. The soul that sins, it says in the Old Testament, it shall die. And, well, that's everybody, because we've all sinned. Well, salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and specifically by the power of the Holy Spirit, there's another law that comes to the man of faith. There's another law that comes to the one who puts his complete trust in Jesus as opposed to any works of their own. The works of righteousness of my own. You know, uh, you've heard it said before that people that are mockers or ridicule Christians in Christianity that you've, I've heard it said that Christianity is a, is a religion for weak, weak-minded, weak people. It's a crutch for people that can't get through life. I would say, in one sense, they're absolutely right. But what they don't understand is that they need that same crutch. It's more than a crutch. It's a, it's a resuscitation. It's life given back to the dead. And you, they just, in their arrogance and pride, they don't see it. We need to pray that their eyes are opened. And so God is able to set us free from that. We have all been in bondage. And sometimes even after we're saved, we can struggle with certain bondages to sin. 
Or you might struggle with certain bondages still to, okay, God, you saved me by your grace. Thank you so much. I'll take it from here. I pray that's not your attitude. But sometimes it can be the attitude that I'm really a pretty good guy. God saved me. I know that I'm saved fully by his grace. But for, for my walk with God from here on out, I think I've got this. And we don't have this. There's at no point, at any point, do we have this on our own. Okay, you understand that. I'm not talking about that we don't have, we don't have responsibilities to obey the Lord. We do. Our responsibility to yield and to submit and to hearken and to do. We're told to do those things. But the power and the ability to do all of that comes from the Lord who saved us. So we don't want to regress, say, like the Galatian church. They really were saved, okay? But when the Judaizers came and brought a mixture of the law and of faith, well, any mixture totally annuls the faith part right away. It's not a blending. There is no mixture of works and faith, works of righteousness and faith. There's faith, and that faith will produce works of righteousness, but it's only faith. It's the Holy Spirit's work, and the Holy Spirit in us will will result in a Christ-likeness in us. The fruit of the Spirit, the, uh, the power of the Spirit, the mind of the Spirit. And that will result in the good works that follow that life. But the works don't get ahead and say, this is going to be my righteousness. Look at my good works. Even James, who very dogmatically stressed the importance of a living faith and faith that produces works, he says, you show me your faith without your works. He's almost ridiculing. You say you have faith, but you have no works at all. There's no fruit of this uh, uh, evidence in your life of a changed life. There's no good works in your life. James say, is saying, and the Word of God is saying, that's a dead faith. It's not a real faith. He's contrasting not works and faith, but a living faith and a dead faith. So keep that in mind. It's not works or faith. It's a living faith or a dead faith. Dead faith doesn't save anyone and obviously is not going to produce any good works. A living faith saves everyone okay, who believes rightly according to the Gospel. And there will be lots of good works that follow. They're not out ahead. They follow. James says, I'm going to show you my, my faith by my works. I'm going to show it to you. I'm going to prove that I've been born again. Because I couldn't do this without faith. I couldn't do this without Christ having saved me and redeemed me. So this is what we're talking about, the power of the Holy Spirit. People say, well, I've tried, even after they're saved sometimes, I've tried and I've failed, I've tried and I've failed, I've tried and I've failed. There comes a point where we have to let go and let God. That sounds like a little trite saying that, again, you stick on your refrigerator, but, but it is true. There, there does come a point where we have to surrender thinking, I can do this. We're struggling with, uh, with pride. We're struggling with, with whatever it may be in our lives. Prayerlessness, uh, impatience. We could go on and on. We're struggling with these things. And we say, we just make a new resolution. I'm going to try harder. And if we fail again, there comes a point, even for the believer, we might have to fast and pray and let God speak to us. We might have the, have the Lord individually to me reveal something to my life that maybe I just have not been seeing. There's that little key, you know, to that heart that he's got to unlock and say, God, forgive me. I've been trying, even as a Christian, I've been trying to conquer this on my own. 
I was so sure that, that I could do it. I'm so disappointed in my personal failings that I haven't done it. Well, the answer is going to be not try harder. I'm not saying this doesn't absolve us from striving after God. I'm saying there, that the only way it's going to take place in our lives, salvation and sanctification, is going to be by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is His ministry. He is able to do it. There has to be a submission and a yielding to Him to say, I've tried and I've failed, I've tried and I've failed. God, help me. God, You help me. I'm still fighting it on my own and it's my pride that's causing me to fight it on my own. Help, help me, Lord. And so somebody's commented that Romans 8 is almost like the picture, the perfect picture of the, the true Christian life. You know, just walking after the Spirit, not after the flesh. The victories, the conquering uh, over sin. And, and uh, I, I, can, I can see that. But what comes with the Holy Spirit and what comes with a new life in Christ is a life in the Spirit. Okay? Part of our salvation, we're washed and we're cleansed, as I said, but how, when you say Christ come into my life and save me, how does He come? He comes by the person of the Holy Spirit. And then on top of that, there's a baptism of the Holy Spirit and, and continual fillings with the Spirit. And it is the life of the Spirit. And so it's not merely the commandment, okay? Do good. Do this. Be holy for I am holy. Those are commandments. And they're New Testament commandments. But with the commandment, I'm so thankful, comes the power. The one who commanded gives the grace, which is an ability or an enabling. The one who commanded gives the power by the Holy Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit in D is not going to help me conquer some struggle that I have or increase my boldness to testify for Christ. I need to meet with God. I need the Holy Spirit to work in my life. And so, uh, the Spirit is, is able to come and bring that victory. The Spirit is able to come and bring that, uh, that power and that victory to, to bring us where we need to be, to cause us to obey. And we're going to want to obey. Isn't that wonderful? It's not like the Lord behind us driving a whip. The, the picture is given of a good shepherd who's leading. Right? He's not behind us poking us with the spear. We, we start dragging and we get tired and we slow down and He just rams us with the cattle prod. You know? Get moving. That's not the picture of the Lord. He enables us. He empowers us. He encourages us. Encourage. Barnabas, Barnabas was the son of consolation, the son of encouragement. That word encouragement means to draw alongside. And the Holy Ghost is our encourager. He draws alongside. And he says, you're going to make it. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Trust in me. Trust in Jesus. What does his word say? His word says that he's able to perfect that which concerns us. His word says that uh, we can be confident in this very thing that he who hath begun a good work in thee will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. And so the Holy Spirit is bringing those things to mind, to heart, and he's drawn alongside. Okay? He's helping us. Again, this does not absolve the believer from any responsibility. We have every responsibility that the Bible tells us to. But we don't have the responsibility on our own apart from Christ. 
we have the responsibility to obey the Lord by the power that He supplies. And so I know I'm being redundant, but it's very important that we understand that. There's a similar scripture in Ephesians 3.16. Let's look at this real quickly. Ephesians 3.16. Similar to what we read in Romans 8. It says this, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to strengthen, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. So this definitely ties into what we're talking about. That the Lord would grant to... He's writing to believers in Ephesus, okay? He would grant to you uh, according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by, the, by His Spirit in the inner man. So the, the Lord is able to strengthen us. And, and I would just encourage you to cast yourself upon the Lord. You know what I mean by that? Just cast yourself... I think about uh, Hannah in the Old Testament who was barren, right? She didn't have a son. And, and Elkanah was her husband. And she, he, he loved her. But the Lord had shut up her womb and she was barren. And the other, I forgot what her name was, the other of Elkanah's wives used to torment her and mock Hannah because she didn't have a child. And she just went. And when they were all going to, to, uh, to have the, the feast, she didn't go and eat. She went to the tabernacle and began to pray. And she cast herself upon the Lord. And she wept with bitterness of soul. And she cried out to God, uh, Lord, if you'll give me a man or a child, I'll give him back to you. It'll be yours. And that was Samuel. And the name means asked of God. Samuel. And he was a wonderful man of God. But the point is, we just see a picture of somebody that cast himself fully upon the Lord. She didn't have a plan B. You know what I mean? She went to God in that tabernacle and just poured out to the Lord her complaint, her need, her longing. She was totally dependent upon God. That's a wonderful way to live, by the way. God's not going to turn that prayer away. He's just not. He's not going to turn that prayer away that's seeking Him by faith like that. And we need to cast ourselves upon the Lord for the power of His Spirit in, the, in our fleshly bodies, okay, to walk holy. When we see God, all of these struggles and weaknesses and frailties will be uh, completed. They'll be finished. When we see Him, we'll be like Him, right? But until then, we're totally dependent upon the Lord. The Lord strengthens us not only to... Uh, you know, victory over sin and death, which we read about in Romans 8, right? Made us free from the law of sin and death. But He strengthens us by coming to dwell in our hearts. Uh, it says that, that we be rooted and grounded in love. That we be, we're able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. That's in that same chapter in Ephesians. The Holy Spirit supplies that to us. The Holy Spirit that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. Isn't that what we're talking about? How to obtain fullness of power. That we might be filled with all the fullness of God. And the Holy Spirit is the supply for that. It's not a new conference down the road or the latest Christian book or the church fathers or going back to anything like that. Nothing wrong with any of that. That's not going to be your answer or my answer to any real growth or progress in Christ. It's going to be the working of God's Spirit in my life.
It's what it be today and tomorrow and always. So let's look back at this in Romans 8, 14. So we talked about this. What the power of the Holy Spirit. What can the Holy Spirit do? What does He have power to do in the life of the believer? Um, he has power to lead us. Let's look at Romans 8.14. We talked about Jesus being our good shepherd. Romans 8.14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So that tells me that the Lord is able to, to lead His people. I know these are simple truths, y'all, but it's, it's important. They will understand it because would you say today that the, the church world, just the church world that we know of, say in America, I think there are Christians in their churches that are real churches. You know what I mean? Not false religions or something like that that are real churches. And people are scattered all over the map. They're all over the place in their thoughts and what they're pursuing after. This is going to bring revival. No, this church says, no, that's, this is going to bring revival. No, this is going to do it. They're all over the map. And it tells me that there's one God Okay, the Word of God says there's one God, one Spirit, one baptism. And the Holy Spirit needs to be my guide. He needs to guide me. Okay? He needs to order my steps over the long haul. And He needs to order my steps day by day. Hour by hour. Minute by minute. It's not just, oh, in five, my five-year plan, my ten-year plan, God's going to get me from here to there. He will. Okay? But I need to be led by the Holy Spirit when I go to bed tonight, when I wake up in the morning. I need to be led. When do I shut my mouth and when do I speak? You know what I mean? Uh, just in, in everything in life. And He is that God. And for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And I think the church world, our church, I want to stay on my face in prayer from now to the day I'm raptured. I want us to be, God wants us to be, because there's safety there. I want to be led by the Holy Spirit. I don't have to beg Him to do it. He's going to lead me. But I want to stay, and I will stay in the Word. It's the sword of the Spirit. He's going to lead me. But that marks those that belong to the Lord. He takes us by the hand, so to speak. And just picture it. Some big, big and strong and mighty God that He is. Leading us little children by His hand. Taking us by the hand and leading us. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Again, these are simple truths, but they're wonderful truths. He has the power to lead us and into what we would say is a God-like or a Christ-likeness. What, what's going to result? How am I going to get to the godly life? Just according to the Word of God, the, the Scriptures, all that the Lord wants to do in me, the Holy Spirit's going to get me there. He'll take me to the Word. He'll take me to the altar. He'll take me to service, to serve God. You understand what I mean? He'll take me to, uh, to the Lord. He'll reveal the things of Christ to me. The Lord's able to do it. He takes us by the hand and He leads us in, in through life. What is our part in the whole thing? Let Him lead. Don't fight Him. Don't kick against the pricks. You know, don't kick against the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Don't kick against the chastisement of the Lord. Don't despise it. Don't kick against the little nudges of the, of the Holy Spirit and the Lord. Maybe it's through another believer. God's given you a reprimand, so to speak, or a reproof. Whatever it may be, don't 
kick against it. Don't buck up against it. That just shows there's more of me that needs to die, that needs to go to the cross. And I know that there's a lot in me that does. My part is simply to surrender utterly, wholly, completely to the Lord and to His will. So let's look at this two verses down. We read verse 14, now Romans 8, 16. Here's another thing the Holy Spirit has power to do. And this will be our our last real uh, thought for tonight. The Spirit itself. Anytime you see the Spirit in your Bible with a capital S, it's not the Spirit of man. It's not the Spirit of Antichrist. It's not the Spirit of the God of this world. It's the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit. There's a little S in that Spirit that we are the children of God. Not just the creation of God, because all men are created by God, but all men aren't the children of God. Alright? So the Holy Spirit bears witness with born-again believers because through our lives, at the point of salvation, different points in through our Christian walk, uh, Satan can try to bring doubt. We've talked about it before. Sow a seed of doubt. Maybe because of some gross sin in our life that I committed as a Christian, I totally, Satan comes in and chimes in. Boy, if you're a real Christian, you would have never done that. You'd have never said that. You'd have never thought that. You'd, you'd have not acted like that. And so, there, aren't you glad that God has the answer for that? Whatever you could think of that you need, God's already got it figured out. You know what I'm saying? He's, you, you, you're going to doubt sometimes your salvation. Christian men will sometimes doubt their salvation. Five minutes after they're saved. I've witnessed to people before that it maybe are coming out of uh, a life of, of unbelief or a horrible sin or something like that or they were devout atheists and devout evolutionists and everything else and maybe they get saved. And I've, I know it because I just know it from reality of walking with God. I said five minutes after you walk out of this door, Satan's going to try to tell you that everything we talked about for the last three hours and that you agreed to and prayed to in faith, giving your life to Christ, Satan's going to make you doubt it by the time you get in your car and you're driving off. He'll come like that. We have to be prepared. But my preparation, again, is the Holy Spirit. I turn to Him. I don't need to turn to ten other believers and, and have them convince me that I'm saved. They could be very persuasive, but I need to know in my heart. And the only one that can minister to my heart that way is going to be the Holy Spirit. You see what I'm saying? We need that. We need that assurance uh, in our lives. And I'm thankful for it. I've said it before. If everybody on the planet was saved, or if nobody on the planet was saved, and you were the only believer, it doesn't matter. The truth is the truth. God is still God. The blood of Jesus still had the power to wash away sin. Heaven is still real. Every believer that is saved, if it's just one or none, is going there when they die. All of it is true. All 66 books of the Bible. And so the, the one that convinces me of that, personally, is the Holy Spirit. And it says it right here. That's a blessing. There's so many ministries of the Holy Spirit. But this is one of them. The Spirit itself bears witness or testifies. That's what that means. How does He testify? He testifies to my spirit. You have a body, soul, and a spirit. 
Lost men have a body, soul, and a spirit. Saved men have body, soul, and spirit. I have a spirit that's in me. Spirit of man. We're different than all the rest of the living creatures of creation. Man is different. We're creating the image of God. And so we have a spirit and a soul that's eternal. And a spirit that can know God or cannot know God. They can make moral choices and have faith or unbelief. You see what I'm saying? And the Holy Spirit can deal with that spirit in the life of a believer and bears witness that he is a child of God. Okay? He is a child of God. How does he do it? I want us to look at, he does it through the Word of God and, and convincing us by faith of that. But he gives us that inner knowing. Let's look at Galatians chapter 4, verse 6. And it, it's good to compare Scripture to Scripture, right? To highlight, to follow a theme, follow a thread through the Bible. So we know we're not just grasping and like inventing doctrines out of the blue. Uh, but line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. Look at verse uh, Galatians 4, 6. And because ye are sons of God, hath sent forth this, the Spirit of His Son into our, your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And so... Uh, there is the Spirit of God that the Lord has sent, the Spirit of Christ, He's saying here, the Spirit of His Son. God the Father has sent forth the Spirit of Jesus into the hearts. He says, because you are the sons of God. The question is not, are you the sons of God? The question are, is, are you holding on to that truth? He saved us. We're a child of God. But I'm doubting it right now because of what I'm going through. Because I prayed for 10 years for so-and-so to be saved and they haven't been. For I prayed for this person to be healed for 25 years and they got worse and maybe they died. Uh, and so maybe I'm doubting some things right now. I'm doubting all of this. Or maybe I'm doubting my own personal salvation. The Holy Spirit, because I am a child of God, God has sent forth the Spirit of Christ into my heart, crying, Abba, Father. That's You've heard it before. It's like an intimate term for Father, like Daddy, okay? that the Jews would not typically ever, I'm talking about somebody, a Jew that's not saved, okay, would not have thought of daring to call Jehovah, Daddy, Abba. But that's, that has to do with sonship. It has to do with being born again. Not just His creation, but His son, His daughter, His child. And the Holy Ghost bears witness and testifies Specifically in the hearts of those that are born again. He's crying, I'm a father. He's your father. Just rest in him. Trust in him. And again, I thank the Lord that he's able to do that. So the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirits that we belong to him. And there's just a, an order here. Uh, there's an order that, that's followed. I'm, I'm reading this from the book, basically. If we'll look back at, at Romans 8 real quickly. If you were to, to follow this as almost like a, a progression. From verse 2, it talks about the Holy Spirit makes us free. The Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the, the law of sin and death. Verse 2. So that's like, that's like salvation. Okay? What the law couldn't do is weak to the flesh. God's sending His Son uh, to destroy sin. He brought Christ. And then comes uh, 
who walk not after the flesh in verse verse four, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So then there's a walk. We're made free from the law of sin and death. We walk in the spirit, not the flesh. Can't do that if you're lost, right? So this would be the next progression. Look at verse 13, which we didn't really talk about. For if we live after the flesh, if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if you through what? The spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. So there's another thing. I'm walking, I'm saved. I'm free from the power of sin and death, not that law. I'm walking in the Spirit, not after the flesh. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, I am mortifying. What does that mean? It means to kill, to put to death. That's an individual thing. Again, you can't do it for me and I can't do it for you. For you, In fact, none of us can do it on our own. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you, through the Spirit, mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. So as we're walking with the Lord in the Spirit, now He shows us things in our life that are sinful as a believer, that this is after the flesh. Don't give in to that. You're going to have to put it to death. Remember this, y'all. The flesh is never counseled. You don't counsel the flesh. You don't counsel it. You don't compromise with it. You kill it. It, the, the flesh goes to the cross. Clinton used to also always say, the blood deals with my sin, but the cross has the thing that deals with my flesh. And he's right. I've sinned. God forgive me. He forgives me. Washes me of my sin. But I'm struggling with something in the flesh. Lust of the eyes, the you know, pride of life, whatever it may be. What's going to do it? It's going to deliver me from it. God will forgive me and wash me in His blood. What's going to set me free from it? A hold in my life to where I'm not doing it anymore, okay, is going to be a mortification or putting it to death. You don't counsel the flesh out of somebody. You don't. You can counsel from here for the next 25 years, but you go to the cross and really let God take your life and, and at least to that thing, what He reveals to you, by the Holy Spirit, we die to that, Okay. The Lord has to help us. In fact, He's the only one who can help us. But you see the progression that's moving through, mortifying. We're, we're about to close. But then, when I'm then I, when I'm fully surrendered to the Lord, then He says in verse fourteen, He leads us by His Spirit. So I'm utterly surrendered to the Lord. In verse sixteen, then I have this assurance from the Holy Spirit in my heart that I really belong to the Lord. Okay. So there is a progression there and God is able to, to bring that to pass. I'm going to close with this, this last uh, thought tonight. And that is this, that uh, we're talking about being sanctified. The sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit and the, uh, the assurance that God gives us in our hearts that we belong to the Lord. And let's look at this in Galatians chapter 5. We know the passage in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit. So this is part of that sanctification. This is part of the Christ-likeness. But it's very simple and very true. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It is, it, the, it, the fruit is, is like the outcome or the product. It's a product of the Spirit in the life of a believer. A lost man will never, never, never bear fruit. Either make the tree good and his fruit good, 
Jesus said in Matthew 12, 33, or make the, the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by his fruit. They line up together. You know, the life in the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. Life in the flesh, the fruit of the flesh, which we didn't have time to read. But just before that, in verse 19, you can read it. The works of the flesh are manifest are these. And they begin to list. That's what our flesh produces left to its own. What about somebody that's trying to be good? They're not saved. They're not walking in the Spirit because they can't because they're lost. But they want to be godly. and They want to have Christ-like fruit. Can they produce it? They cannot. They cannot. They can mimic a lot of the fruits. We can pretend to be patient when we're not patient. We can pretend to be meek because we've learned to bite our lip and control ourselves when we're around people. But it's a fruit of the Spirit. It is impossible apart from the working of the Holy Spirit. It is completely possible. In fact, it's inevitable. It's going to happen as I yield and walk with the Lord. This fruit is all of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. And some say that's better interpreted faithfulness rather than faith. Faithfulness, uh, meekness, temperance, against such there's no law. Uh, every believer that's truly believer, a believer, okay, will bear all of that fruit. It's, you know, one fruit with nine facets to it. It's like a diamond with different cuts on it, and the light reflects a different way. It's one diamond with different, uh, you know, beauty to it, depending on how you hold it to the light or how you turn it. All that comprises the fruit of the Spirit. It's one fruit, but all of it is part of that fruit, okay? Every believer, it's not like the gifts of the Spirit where all may not prophesy, right? All may not have the gift of healings. But the fruit of the Spirit Every believer is going to bear fruit and going to bear all of that fruit at some point. It's not for me to determine, man, you know, uh, Peter should have been bearing this fruit by, by now. Well, you, you might be looking at me and saying, well, Dad should have been bearing this fruit by now. You know, uh, maybe I should be. But the point is, is we yield to God. He's the husbandman, right? The husbandman. He's like the vine dresser. So there's some real handling TLC, so some tender love and care going on with that vine or that little tree that has to be trimmed and pruned and cut back and so forth. God is the husbandman. And He's pruning your life and my life. And we're just closing with this tonight that everybody is, everyone that's truly saved will have genuine fruit of the Spirit. And we didn't do it and we didn't produce it. He did it and He produced it. But I do need to trust Him, right? I do need to abide in Him. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, there are things I do have to do. But even to do the things I have to do, like we opened with tonight, I'm dependent upon the Holy Spirit. At no point you say, I've got it. I get it. I've got it. Lord, you sit tight. I'm going to go bear some fruit. We're not going to go bear some fruit. We're going to abide in Christ. And I think the closer we get to the Lord the more we'll see our dependency upon the Lord. I know that I feel that way in my life now having been saved for, for, for many years that I don't at all feel less dependent upon Christ and His strength and His spirit and His power and His guidance. I feel more dependent upon the Lord. 
You understand? I, not that I'm any more dependent, but I just am realizing it more. That I was always needed Him that much, but I just didn't realize I needed Him that much. He wants us to realize it. Lost man cannot bear that fruit. Saved man will bear this fruit. Just stay abiding in Christ. Amen? So I want to close with that. Let's just take some time to pray and, uh, and, and trust God and call upon the Lord. And if you want to come to these altars, the altars are open. And as I'm closing and as you're praying, uh, I want to read two Scriptures. Two Scriptures. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Wonderful Scriptures. 2, 13 and 14. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit. It is a working of the Lord. It's His choice is to save you, and His sanctifying is through the Spirit. Sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto He called you by our Gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And 1 Peter 1-2. I'll read this one. Peter says, elect, he's speaking of believers, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. Sanctification is a work of the Holy Spirit. The fruit bearing, uh, the crying Abba Father in our hearts to give us assurance. This is all a work of the Holy Spirit. We need to thank Him. We need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to be mindful. We need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We need to step back and let Him lead. Where it's me or Him, let Him. And that's our Christianity. And Father, we come before You.